Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. This podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care. This is Expert Insights. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Welcome to the show. Our topic today is blood pressure management in children. And my guest is Dr. David Chan. He's the medical director of pediatrics at the Carl Foundation Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chan. Explain a little bit about hypertension in children. People don't think of children as coming up with high blood pressure. Did you ever used to see this and what's different now? I think that's a great question. I think in the past, something like this, the diagnosis of elevated blood pressure or hypertension was always thought to be an adult-type disease. The major thing that we have noticed and have recognized over the last decade or so is that we do see this problem as a medical issue in even our youth. And I can explain a little bit more as we go ahead why that is the case today and not perhaps 30 years ago when we really ever saw this as a problem. But the major emphasis that I want to uh, talk about is the importance of recognizing hypertension in the youth is because there are some information uh, out there there, as far as data that suggests that elevated blood pressure in childhood could truly lead to significant health issues in the adults. And we all know that preventive care is far better than trying to treat the problem after it's already occurred. And that's why we have taken interest uh, in managing high blood pressure in our young people uh, as a very important project at Carl Foundation Hospital. Speak a little bit about the etiology. Do we know what some common conditions and factors that can lead to hypertension in children? Is it are we, we're obviously seeing an obesity epidemic and diabetes on the rise in kids. Are all these comorbidities combined? Are they all sort of a, a collective of what you're seeing now as a pediatrician? Yes, Melly. I think you really pointed out some of the things that uh, are making this diagnosis much more a common problem in the youth. In the past, when I started doing this back in the early 1990s, if we see a child with a high blood pressure, usually they have other reasons for it, like there is truly a family reason to do that, um, to, to have a genetic predisposition, or the child actually have kidney disease that is chronic in origin. Uh, as leading to high blood pressure. And the most common, uh, not most most common, but another common reason is that they were born with some sort of congenital heart defect that leads to them having uh, increased blood pressure. But nowadays, what we're seeing is quite a few of these kids with what we call called prehypertension or actual primary hypertension. And one of the identified comorbidities that could be associated with it is over, being overweight, being a, uh, an obese child, which uh, may lend to yet a secondary problem such as sleep apnea, when there is obstruction of the airway while the child is asleep, that can also lead to elevated blood pressures. 
Are pediatricians taking blood pressure at well visits? Is this something that's done as a natural course, as a vital sign for adults for sure? But is it being done for children? And if not, then how are you identifying hypertension? What are some of the clinical presentations, if there's any? Right. I think the good news is that most pediatricians are aware of the importance of getting good set of blood pressure measurements into children uh, at all their visits. The recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics is that any child greater than three years of age should have routine blood pressure check at least on an annual basis, if not on every visit that they come. I think one of the questions that has been brought up is that what is the best way to measure blood pressure? Anybody who's tried to examine a three-year-old knows that that can be a challenge depending on their mood. And uh, it really is one of the things that will limit our ability to be accurate, but it doesn't it should not deter us from trying to get some increased uh, awareness that blood pressure still can exist in this group of patients. So if we can speak to sort of the technique of measuring blood pressure for a bit, for those that are old enough to cooperate, I think it's very important for us to know that these children should be allowed to be in a state that can uh, give us an accurate measurement that does not give us artificially elevated blood pressure. We do know that if someone's been exercising, if they're talking while they're getting the blood pressures checked, as silly as even crossing the legs, that can artificially elevate the numbers of the blood pressure. And it doesn't indicate true elevated uh, uh, problems, but rather that these are just a technical issue. So we prefer the child when they come in, if this allows them, uh, is allowable, is that they are given at least about a five-minute rest period when they're not running around and exercising and they're sitting still or even better, laying down. We prefer the blood pressure to be taken in the right arm. And then we also need to make sure that the cuff size is appropriate for the child. And there are many articles that talks about that. And then basically that the bladder part of the cuff should cover 80 to 100% of that arm or limb that the pressure is being measured from. The last thing that I really want to mention is that if possible, it really is preferable that the blood pressure be uh, measured using what we call the manual method and using a regular sphygmomanometer and using a stethoscope and actually listening to the sounds, what we call the Krakow sounds, in order to measure the blood pressure. Using the electronic versions of these, or what we use to call Dynamap or whatever, has its place, but it can give you numbers that may not be as accurate. So one of the uh, uh, things that needs to be emphasized is that we want the child to sit still, not talk, feet flat on the um ground, and then to measure the blood pressure, again, measuring from the right arm, and try to get a number that you can be certain is fairly accurate. If the child is moving around, you may need to actually bring the child back in another time or even measure it after the visit to determine if that number is truly accurate or not in order to make any judgment to how to uh, respond to the blood pressure. As for those children that are younger and that you know they are just not uh, uh, um, cooperative during the blood pressure measurement, you need to try to find another way to measure at another time or just know that the number you uh, receive from the measurement 
may not be accurate and not to respond to those numbers. In other words, put into the context of how that data was collected. So as we're learning the technique to get squirmy little kids to really be able mm-hmm. to get a good, accurate blood pressure, Dr. Chan, mm-hmm. when we're looking at optimal goals with, you know, the, the blood pressure guidelines have recently been changed for adults yes. to what determines high blood pressure. What about for mm-hmm. children? What do you want other physicians to know about the guidelines for what is considered hypertension in children and what's considered normal? Yes, I think um, the the fun part about pediatrics is that we're dealing with kids. The challenge with that is that for every age group, for every size of the child, it does come with a different set of parameters. And obviously, in the context of this podcast, we're not going to be able to give you specific numbers, but there are very good data out there. I would encourage people to look up this, these norms from the uh, National Heart and Lung Institute that gives the number that based on the child's height, age and to know where they fall as far as what should be abnormal and not uh, 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 not normal. The key thing here is that the criteria is almost exactly the same as adults based on percentile. We know that those blood pressure that fall between the 90th and the 95th percentile is considered classified as prehypertension, and those that are greater than 95th percentile is considered hypertension or hypertensive. If you do find those numbers are abnormal, one of the recommendations is that as long as there's no symptoms involved, is that those measurements are repeated at least two more times to note that it wasn't just an outlier. You want to make sure that the numbers are truly real and whether the frequency of doing that, it really depends on the child, the social situation, and how suspicious you are that this child actually have elevated blood pressure. But nonetheless, if you do find one abnormality and the child is otherwise uh, asymptomatic and doing well, you may want to just repeat that again to make sure that it truly is an abnormality. So as we're talking about steps to now manage a child with truly Mm -hmm. elevated blood pressure, how does treatment with lifestyle versus an antihypertensive agent? Are you going to, first of all, look toward lifestyle unless it's like a secondary hypertension? Are you going to talk to the parents? What do you want other physicians to know about initial treatment? Right. Yeah, I think that's a great question as well. And obviously, when we look at the reasons why so many more kids are being recognized to have blood pressure abnormalities, it surely is related to their um, lifestyle and as far as the diet and exercise uh, level. So the first and foundational thing that really needs to be recommended is truly a lifestyle change. And let's just talk about diet. First of all, there are guidelines to amount of sodium that is recommended for childhood, and it's a little bit different per age group, per size. And again, those things are available from the American Academy of Pediatrics as far as what should be given. But without... uh, any detail in all of this, but the general thought is that you should not be uh, overly salting your food and minimizing your sodium intake to try to decrease that. The second thing is really related to obesity, and we do know that obesity can lend itself to elevated blood pressure in this population, and obviously weight management is very important. 
Weight management is a topic all to itself. Although it sounds very simple to tell a family to say, you know what, you need to eat better, you need to make sure the child is losing weight. We know the reality is that it is a very complex situation. Oftentimes, social uh, determinants really makes it exceedingly difficult for some of these kids to have weight management. And this is really one of the uh, uh, true challenges facing pediatricians in dealing with this problem is trying to manage that. But the reality is that unless you address these issues, medication is not going to be truly effective um, to deal with blood pressure problems if you're not also doing the right things with your diet and exercise. Antihypertensive really should be reserved for those patients that have truly tried the non-medical uh, uh, therapy, the lifestyle changes, and that they continue to have elevated blood pressure, then they should be managed with antihypertensives. They, at this point in time, usually these children are referred to specialists like nephrologists, kidney specialists, as well as cardiologists, because what we're going to be looking for are secondary organ uh, involvement, like thickness of the right of the uh, heart muscle uh, to indicate that this patient is truly seeing elevated blood pressure. We may actually do some additional blood pressure measurements called ambulatory blood pressure monitoring where we actually have 24 hours with the data so that we really are getting a much better picture of what the blood pressure variation in that child. And with this, we can tailor the therapy much more succinctly. And it, this really becomes less of a problem for the pediatrician to manage and it really begins to fall into the category of the specialist in order to manage this problem. Dr. Chan, what great information and so important. So wrap it up for us with your best advice for other providers about management of hypertension in children and what you consider some of the best techniques to obtain a good, solid, proper blood pressure reading and what you'd like them to know about treatment and lifestyle and working with the parents and working with their patients to get this under control? I think a short summary is that we need to be diligent. And we know that measuring blood pressure, especially in small children, is challenging. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't just we should give up. We should just try again at another time and have the mom bring the child in at the time they're most likely to cooperate. And when there is an elevated blood pressure, problem. And if it is not as severely elevated, I think the first step are the things that most pediatricians and primary care physicians should be able to handle, offering lifestyle changes, and then checking with the parents, are they really following it? If so, and there's still a problem, then certainly refer them to a specialist and we will sort of take on those cases that need additional uh, work to help them uh, try to manage the blood pressure and really protect the organs, not only for the next five years, but potentially the next 80 to 90 years for these uh, young people to grow into adulthood so they can remain healthy well into their senior years. Thank you so much, Dr. Chan, for being with us today and sharing your expertise in this very important topic. You're listening to Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit carlconnect.com. That's carlconnect.com. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.